1: This special episode of Unspooled is brought to you by Kavo, the powerful remote control that has every single thing you need to turn on and off and up and down and change in one handy remote that you can use with your voice. Cavo, we're gonna be talking about it more later, but Kavo, Cavo, Cavo, you can get 40% off right now of your Kavo with the promo code Unspooled that is $59.95, 40% off the regular pricing of $99.95. If you go to Cavo, C-A-A-V-O.com. If you want to go in person, you can buy one at Best Buy. So the Control Center by Cabo, one remote that does it all. Wow, hey everybody, welcome to Unspooled, that is just me, because Paul is not here, he got called away for work last night, emergency shoot, but we have somebody just as cool as Paul, hello, we have Griffin Newman right here coming hello, in. Hello everybody. He's an actor, he's on The Tick, he hosts a podcast Blank Check, and he's right there in a cute sweatshirt. I'm right here
2: in a cute sweatshirt, this is a Blank Check sweatshirt, this is a, a merch. It's
1: radical, we need a radical sweatshirt This is like
2: This is called the Radical Scrunt Shirt. It is of course a radical depiction of the scrunt, the monster from Lady in the Water.
1: <laughs> you you don't do anything halfway.
2: Don't do anything halfway. My scrunts are radical.
1: Did the scrunt win uh, an Oscar for like any sort of technical achievement? Best supporting actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good.
2: Lady in the water, best supporting actor, scrunt.
1: You know, I will take that scrunt over some of last night's awards. We're just uh, yes. here. To talk about what happened last night at us because it's early, we both have coffee. We're doing this on video, which is- I'm really on my great. second we going to be doing coffee. something yeah. early.
2: Terrible. Uh, <laughs> live streaming on my bad side.
1: Is that your bad side?
2: <laughs> I think it is. I was trying to remember. I always forget which side is my good side, which is one of the reasons why my career isn't better, I think, as an actor.
1: Yeah, whenever they say people just know their light, I'm so yeah, jealous I, of whoever- Yeah, absolutely not. knows their light.
2: Right. I have that all the time where like people on set are like, you can feel the light, right? And I go like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I They're trying to give me direction. Like, just feel it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I could definitely do that.
1: I commissioned this oil portrait of myself and my cat a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Commissioned it on my bad side. He yeah. asked me, what is your good side and your bad side? I said, oh, this one. And I you was wrong. I gave the wrong, wrong. answer. Yeah. And now yeah. I, my most treasured possession is my bad side. And even knowing nice, that though. and looking at it all the time, I couldn't tell you which side my bad side is. I forgot again.
2: Yeah, I have the same thing. I was talking uh, the other day. I was. Uh, I, I have a mole on the left, my left cheek. And I still use that to try to figure out which way is left and which way is right.
1: But, you're not, the but there's mirrors. You get confused. What are you talking about? Well, like
2: feeling it. If people are like, move to your left, move to your right, I will very like subtly kind of like scratch my cheek to check my own orientation. Wow. But then I also try to use that as a, a guide for which side is my good side and which side is my bad side. But I can't remember if it's that is your good side or that is your bad side. So I scratch it, then all I remember is, oh, that's a side. But which one is it?
1: I mean, when you win an Oscar, I really hope you go through all of this on stage. I
2: love you for saying when. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'll go through all of this on stage.
1: Good, I want that. you be like, Academy, left side, right side, good side, bad side. Just take a crowd vote. Get yeah. some crowd interaction in there. But on that note, let's talk about last night. because yes. Because there's no real easy transition except to say, like, that's a host joke. That was that would be such a bad host moment to like, get the host to like vote on like, which side, side is right your side. Good side.
2: Right. That feels like a Kimmel bit.
1: Exactly. And we yeah. don't need it because there don't was no it. host. And yeah. it was, I thought, great, without a host.
2: Yeah, it was an interesting ceremony. I mean, I, I, how big of an Oscar nerd are you? Because I feel like with movie nerds, it's either like, I love them. I know they're silly, but I love them. Or it's like, I hate them. They're bullshit. I've always known they were bullshit. I kind of hate watch them.
1: I feel exactly the same way. It's like both to me. You sure. know, it's, it's yeah. a little bit more serious to me than the Golden Globes. Because, like, the 100%. Golden Globes, whenever they get it really, really wrong, mm-hmm. I'm just ecstatic. Yes. Because nobody cares. And it's just, like, a room voted on by, like, complete weirdos. It's like right. if you, like, went to the Dave & Buster's at Hollywood and Highland, one of right. your favorite places. And you said, Number one. what's the best movie of the year? They're like, that one.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, when, when Aaron Taylor-Johnson wins Best Supporting Actor for Nocturnal Animals at the Globes, I cackle. Exactly. I go, like, life is meaningless. <laughs> and this this is part of it Just like enjoy the chaos
1: Exactly right. and I will admit I cackled when Nick Vallelonga won a bunch of awards mm-hmm. For Green Book at the Golden Globes And honestly I laughed just as hard Last night when it won Best Picture
2: Look it's not good but it's a little funny It's a little funny that he has two Oscars I mean you can play that game now Of how many people Nick Vallelonga Has more Oscars than So many Martin Scorsese still only one Oscar Nick Vallelonga two in one night Tell me who the most prominent Italian-American filmmaker in U.S. history is, and it's Nick Vallelonga.
1: Well, what's astonishing— Coppola
2: has three, I think, so maybe that doesn't work, but—
1: We were talking earlier, like, on an earlier episode about Mm -hmm. Nick Vallelonga's next project, That's Amore. We're
2: all waiting for Nick Vallelonga's next project.
1: I mean, you know about That's Amore. Oh, I know about uh, That's Amore, Yeah. I mean, the plot of That's Amore, sad sack pizza delivery man. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably older. I think he's maybe a Nick Vallelonga type. Uh, yeah. Falls in love with a woman named Patty Amore. And now the thing is, everybody's going to want to be in That's Amore. Because it is from the right. Oscar-winning screenplay writer, Nick Vallelonga. Uh,
2: I got two things to say on that. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, I hope there's a running joke in the movie where they go, who's that? And they go, oh, that's Amore. <laughs> <laughs> right? That has to be what the title is setting up. That's the alley-oop that that movie is setting up. Her- that's amore uh, second thing is I kind of love I mean this is the the same sort of chaotic beauty of Nick Valongo winning two Oscars that sounds like the kind of project that someone lines up after they've won a kids choice awards <laughs> like he's just won two Oscars and he's unfazed from making his like sitcom pizza romance you know like I like that he has no pretensions of like I'm finally gonna make a film about like voting rights and voter suppression that he's like, no, I'm going to make That's more. I'm Nick <laughs> Vallelonga. What else would I make?
1: Well, I'm genuinely hoping that this gives a boost to Nick Vallelonga's recording career.
2: That's the big thing.
1: You know, because, like, for people who don't know, Nick Vallelonga has a Christmas album, and I think we should play a little bit he's of it. He's kind of like
2: the American Sugar Man, and yeah. that maybe this is the time, decades later, that an Oscar win finally brings his his musical brilliance to the, the forefront.
1: Nick Vallelonga, let's hit it.
0: St. Patrick's Cathedral, horse and buggies too. Central Park, there's so much to do. Rockefeller Center and ice skaters delight. It's Christmas tree. Brightens up the night. The hustle and bustle along Fifth Avenue. Holiday shoppers buying
2: presents so new. All right, everybody. everybody. Stop listening to our podcast if we keep playing Nick Longa. If you keep playing all 5 minutes and 34 (laughs) seconds, I'm looking at the iTunes window behind you. We got 1 minute and 8 seconds into a song that is 5.34. Imagine what treasures that song (laughs) holds for us in the back half.
1: Is it? Here is the beauty of the Oscars. Is a year ago I didn't know Nick Vallelonga existed, and now he's your favorite artist. And yeah, now he's a very big part of my heart. Yes. And when uh, Glenn Close mm-hmm. wins her Academy Award next year, her eight, like on her eighth try for playing Patty Amore, oh. I think we're going to be so grateful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> she should do that. She should just go like, "Fuck it." I don't know how to make you guys happy. I'm doing a Vallelonga movie. So did you do a ballot last year or last night? I didn't. I didn't. You know, I, I'm like a, a weirdly competitive person. I think it's I, I, uh, I truly have never met anyone who is worse than at, at sports than I am. Like, I'm like absurdly bad at any sort of physical activity like Hello, that. Hello.
1: We should say hi. Yes. I think I tie you. Uh, at least now I'm going to be competitive about being bad.
2: Uh, well, here's here's a fun fact, like uh, talking about why I'm so bad at sports. Uh, that handshake just hurt me. Because uh, I have arthritis in my hands. Okay. okay, you win. Which I've had since I was 14. Wow. Uh, Which somehow like today it's kind of bad. It's one of those weird things where it's like never really gotten worse but my my 40s are probably going to blow. Oh
1: no. Um, But so because of that you're just you watch what times you enter into competition because you take it too seriously. Not not just
2: because of that. uh, That is one of many reasons the the souffle of reasons why I'm bad at sports. But I guess the point is that when you're a kid and those are the things you can get competitive about uh, I always just had to throw up my hands and be like I can't even try. So whenever there was like a lane for me to be competitive at something i was good at i went like insane at it so like my family wouldn't play board games with me because i got too intense like as a five-year-old because i'd be like i need a win and i remember the first time my parents brought me to like an oscar party when i was like eight and they were like hey eight-year-old you want to like fill out the ballot for fun and i filled it out and came in second place at the party Wow. Now, that was the year the English patient, everyone had told me that that was the big movie. I had not seen it, but I was just like, cool, I'll pick that in every category. And then I happened to get a couple of the upsets, like Juliette Pinoche beating uh, uh, Lauren Bacall and stuff like that. So then from that year on, I was like, I spend all year training for Ira's Oscar party. Like, my parents <laughs> are going to bring me to Ira's Oscar party, and I'm going to spend the whole year doing research. Even on movies that I'm not allowed to see yet.
1: But I almost wonder if the more you know, sometimes the, the worse you are.
2: Correct. That's what happened. Yeah. I got worse and worse every year. I, I kept on going down. So I had like a period of time where I was so competitive, so ballot crazy, even before I was really seeing all the movies, that now I feel like the last eight years I've tried to like push myself away a little bit. And be like, just enjoy the Oscars for what they are. Don't get competitive. But I am definitely that asshole where, like, I was sitting in, like, the hotel room with my girlfriend watching the show. And I kept on being like, this is going to win. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to fill out the ballot in advance. So I have bragging rights. But I'm going to call every award before it happens.
1: I mean, I go to an Oscar party that is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, like, a bunch of themed food. It's very, very serious. Um, um, Our hosts made green bucatini from scratch. It was delicious. Crazy. and last year, like, the winner of the Oscar ballot won a record player. So we're, like, a little serious about it. Yeah, this would be dangerous for me. prizes to the winner and prizes yeah. to the loser. Yeah. The loser this year, the person who got the most wrong, won, like, the Ingrid Bergman box, uh, the Ingrid Bergman, the Ingmar <sighs> Bergman yeah. box set, which is, like, expensive and, and out of awesome. print. It's, like,
2: and, back-ordered. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. Wow. Uh, the person who knew the least about the Oscars when she won it, a lot of
2: people in her room were really, like, Sah. But anyway... Were people trying to bomb it so that they could win the Bergman?
1: (laughs) They luckily didn't tell you that it was a prize until it was over. that's smart. Yeah. But so with that said, like, my competitive style is my favorite board game is Candyland because Mm -hmm. you can talk a lot of trash. Yes. However, you also know it ultimately doesn't matter. Right. And that is my push to my Oscar ballot. Okay. You know, I'm like, I care, but I also had some throwaway votes. And this year... Some of my throwaway votes, or the ones that I cared about but I didn't think would win, like I was throwing it by putting my heart here. I was putting my heart in Gumdrop Mountain. Yeah, Olivia Colman when she won Best Actress, I would have I missed lost that. It. I
2: was so resigned to it being Glenn Close, and you know what? It was I was lovely in the wife. And, and let me just—I don't like that movie. She does an excellent job in it because she's a pro.
1: That movie was spoiled for me because somebody told me the ending before I watched it, and so then I could not get the momentum
2: of the film. I know the Oscars aren't fair. Yeah. But, like, I don't believe anyone believes that that's one of the ten best performances that Glenn Close has ever given. And everyone today who's like, I feel so bad for Glenn Close, like, seven times, like, this, you know, no one is saying, like, she really should have won for that performance. Would it have been, like, nice narratively, emotionally if she finally had an Oscar? But no one is saying, like, we really do underrate that performance.
1: I would like to imagine that Glenn Close woke up this morning to 30 scripts from people being like, yeah, we're going to get you that's, your Oscar. That's what we I are thought. going to do it. She has
2: done such a good season of interviews and speeches that I think someone now might write the role that Glenn Close deserves to win an Oscar for.
1: And that's what I love. Like the yeah. Oscar season that winds up with people making better work, which I think is what we're starting to see. Like, did you feel that this year's Oscars were just this like giant fight between like the jocks mm-hmm. and the nerds yep. Yep. like the jocks being like the yep. old people and the nerds being the young people or reverse it i'm mm-hmm. sure like the the older people would think like the younger people are the nerds yep. or the jocks or whatever whatever my analogy is you yeah. know, you could just feel this like tug of war 100
2: percent. and it's it's like a it's a microcosm of what's going on in america and the world like it it is that kind of thing of just like uh, these this uh, warring factions of people saying like things have been fucked for too long and we have to get stubborn and demand change and the people who are saying like people are getting too upset about everything all the time fuck you but they're also responding out of anger like I feel like Green Book kind of won out of uh, a desire to to pwn the libs do you I, think d- I kind that? of do you're
1: saying it's the MAGA win
2: I look I have met a lot of people predominantly over the age of 60 who love Green Book. I'm not saying that they ironically like Green Book, you know, that it's purely a troll, but I think there's... all When I talk to those people, they have this sense of defensiveness of, like, I don't know why people are telling me I'm not allowed to like this movie.
1: I guess it's a little bit like me and Titanic.
2: Right, right. Except
1: Titanic is good.
2: Yes, and I feel like people have come around to Titanic now. I mean, we talked about this on Black Check, uh, Blanket Check, recently, that... uh, I think the same thing's going to happen with Avatar because like Titanic, everyone was like, this is going to suck. Then it became the biggest movie ever. Then suddenly it became the thing that was like cool to rag on. Like Titanic was like Disney and it was like you sheeple, you've fallen for Titanic. And now I feel like we've reclaimed Titanic as like, no, this is a great film. And Avatar is the one that everyone's dunking on. Um,
1: Although there is no moment in Avatar that makes me cry.
2: No, Titanic is a thousand times better than Avatar.
1: Or stirs the loins. Uh, maybe I know. I think there are Avatar stirs my loins. I mean, I don't want to
2: overshare here, but Avatar stirs my loins. But but those movies are really kind of effective. I mean, Cameron's just sort of undeniable. I, I'm not going to turn this into Avatar standing, but um, I do think there's you know you see this thing now where it's like, oh God, I love seeing the libs get triggered, and it's like you know I like someone, then you tell me my favorite is problematic. I'm now going to double down on my favorite.
1: That's true, because what does happen in the Oscar voting yeah. is you rank all of your choices. Yes. You, know, you rank them from top to bottom with, like, a point spread for each one. Yeah. So I do think there was a lot of gaming in the system. People being like, I do not want to see Roma win. I think, that's, I think that absolutely happened. Yeah. We're recording this. The Earwolf Studios, for people who don't know, are right across the street from Netflix. There's from a, a building
2: that's just the end Netflix. of Roma. Right. Yeah. yeah. That has, like... The whole side of the building is the family hugging on the beach.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. They also have a really good cafeteria. Oh god, oh, that sounds so great. good. It's so good. But that said. I think a lot of people voted it last yeah. on purpose because they do not want Netflix to win because they think they can somehow stop whatever is happening from happening with streaming, which will not happen. It's This yeah. is definitely going to happen. 100%. But it's like when, you know, um, Carrie comes out of the grave and scares you one last time mm-hmm. or tries to like, or Glenn Close at the end of yeah. Fatal Attraction is like, I'm going to get you. That's the voters being like, Netflix, no, you right. don't get Roma.
2: Right. Like, I feel like a lot of the people who love Green Book... Or, like, maybe it was my third favorite movie of the year. But I'm going to put it at number one because I don't want Netflix to win. And I want to push back against the people who tell me what I'm not allowed to like. I see – I've seen a lot of that when they're, like, sort of, like, people reporting on what anonymous Oscar voters say at parties. They're, like, I'm done with this thing where the internet tells me I'm not allowed to like things. So I think there's, like, this sense of pushing through, like, if this movie made me feel good, then eat my farts – (laughs) <laughs> Green Book for Best Picture.
1: It's spoken like a true Oscar yeah. voter. But there is
2: that thing, I mean, you talk about the preferential ballot where, you know, it's all ranked. But also, if a movie has gotten uh less than like 10% of the number one votes, all those people who voted for that movie for number one, let's say, for example, that only 5% of the Academy membership put Bohemian Rhapsody in their one spot. Their number one vote is thrown out, and you go down to their number two.
1: This is how we need to be doing American elections. And their with number this, two the counts as their number of the Oscars. one, so.
2: right? It is crazy. The Oscar system is more complicated than the American voting system, uh, and more nuanced. Uh, but so that means also, I think a lot of people do have Green Book as like that movie's fun. It's my two or three.
1: Yeah, which is why I thought this year it was actually one of my favorite years in in Oscar history, mm-hmm. to be honest. Because usually by say January, you know it's going to win. Or, you know, it's going to be this one or this one. Yeah. I felt like because of this voting system, because of how divided the voters were in the Mm -hmm. Academy, it could legitimately have been anything except vice. I thought vice was the only one that was not. I thought it was the only one that had
2: zero chance. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. Which made it kind of a thrill. Like there was a moment when Black Panther started racking up a bunch of technicals. You're like, oh, this could happen. Yeah. I had really discounted the idea of a Black Panther win. Yeah. And then suddenly it was on the table.
2: I mean, what, no film won more than four awards? Uh, I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody got the most awards of anything. Yeah, (laughs) Bo-Rap. No, (laughs) no. no, no. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we can't even joke about that.
1: Um, How did you feel when Rami won? Not great. Yeah.
2: Not great. I mean, I just, like, I, look, uh, aside from what that film represents, uh, a movie that now they want to pretend wasn't directed by anybody, I like him a lot as an actor. I don't think that's a particularly interesting performance.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, there there is this strange sort of karma about everything happening. You know, I almost right. see, like remember Jared Leto winning, yeah, and then all of a sudden everybody hating Jared Leto. Yeah, this I'm worried about Rami. You know, it surprises me that Rami is the very first person from Twilight to win an Oscar. Like that he beat Anna Kendrick. Yeah, it was wonderful that's that interesting. He beat, like, yeah, Kristen Stewart,
2: Kristen Stewart Rob Panson who's become so interesting in yeah. recent years. Yeah, the
1: Rami kind of snuck in,
2: and, and I, then even I'm you go to the supporting cast. Him. Like he wins before Michael Sheen, he wins before Dakota Fanning, Bryce Dallas Howard,
1: <laughs> right. And it kind of... That's kind of crazy. I'm worried for him because, like, he won the Oscar and then what happened, he immediately fell off the stage. Like, literally fell off the stage. It's like
2: a curse. There's, like, a hex placed on him. And then he went to the backyard It's a monkey paw situation. He sprayed
1: all these, like, poor people with
2: champagne
1: who are just working in rented tuxedos. Turns out they're all
2: allergic to champagne. They all went to Amphalekite shock. Yeah. Um, So
1: the Rami backlash, it's going to be bad.
2: It's going to be hard. And I do like him a lot as an actor in general. Maybe just in my preference, I'm not crazy about... That sort of biopic performance, I'm not super in love with the look how well this guy evoked this other guy kind of performances.
1: The idea that the clip they chose to show him is literally him lip syncing someone else.
2: And look, like, uh, you know, Marion Coutillard lip syncs and Le'Veon Rose, but I think that's a better performance. It's not like I'm discounting someone if they didn't do their own singing. Uh, But it was kind of telling that it was like, that's the clip you're going to show is him sitting at a piano, not singing something.
1: I know, out of all the clips. And I will say, you know, A, I didn't know he was dating his co-star in that movie when the movie pretend uh, well, that's, yeah, a yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, that's a whole can of words. Yeah,
1: that's all whole can of words. B, I went to the Cairo Film Festival this year, mm-hmm. so I am now Facebook friends with a fair amount of, like, Egyptian film people. Sure. They were very happy. I, they were thrilled. This my One of my yeah. friends made, like, ten posts about it, how happy he was to have, like, an Arab actor win an Oscar. Yes. Um, then somebody like wrote something really snarky when I tried to translate it in like the Facebook translate, it made no sense. It mm. was like, it was like, it is though we gave award to toilet and I was just trying to be like, what are they saying? What's yeah, happening? Sure. What is the gossip in Egypt really about this Rami Oscar win? But I mean, the question I really have for you is we're really in this moment where like it was very noticeable that he didn't thank Brian Singer. Yeah. It was very noticeable that Mahershala Ali did not mention Nick Velalonga, Yep. Stayed away from a lot of the problematic mm-hmm. people in their own films. And Griffin, one of the things I always admired about you is like, you know, you were in the film A Rainy Day in New York. Yeah. That hasn't come out yet because of the fight with Woody Allen. May and never come gone, out. May never come out. Yeah. And you decided to give your salary to Rain. And I, I yeah. so you're definitely a person who thinks a lot about what can an a- actor do when you're stuck in this situation where the thing you have done is suddenly very bad.
2: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. If you were Rami, like, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know. I, I have, uh, I have stayed up uh, at night thinking about that. And I will say like my, my decision re-reign was also a, a result of me staying up several nights in a row and like having like a panic attack, you know, because um, I do think like I, I'm, I'm trying to not let this become an unwieldy conversation because yeah. I spend so much time thinking about all the different aspects of this. But there's so many different um, sort of I, I will go back and forth on what feels like. Um, sort of erasure of an issue, you know, willful ignorance, uh, what makes you complicit versus what isn't, you know? Like, uh, is there a difference between being the person who gave that person money to make a movie versus being someone who got paid by that person? Does it matter how large the role is? Does it matter what the optics are? Does it matter, you know, uh, if you're uh, pointedly avoiding a question? I mean, all these sorts of things. Uh, I don't think they're clean answers, and I think for a long time, and I am as guilty of this as anyone, uh, especially us movie nerds, used to often hide behind the, like, you got to separate the art from the artist because you just didn't want to deal with the messy stuff. Like, we had the privilege of being like, I don't know, I'm just going to ignore all that other stuff. And the entire media landscape has changed, and the way things are reported has changed, uh, where you can't really bury stories anymore.
1: Yeah.
2: You can't really feign total ignorance to anything. And uh, I I don't think all these situations are clean cut, but it is like – there is this level of – I don't know. Like when the – all the stories came out – going at a crazy side tangent here, but when all the stories came out about like the the Lethal Weapon TV show uh, where the lead actor got fired – Oh, because he was sort of having rage flare-ups on set and, you know, verbally abusing people and throwing shit. And then him and Damon Wayans were fighting constantly. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say anything libelous, but the, the stories exist out there. And the two of them were trashing each other in the press. And I just went, like, "Geez, like, I am so grateful that I am not, like, the 12th lead on Lethal Weapon. Right. Yeah. You know? And that's not, like, a situation where anyone's necessarily doing anything illegal or criminal, but, like, what a hostile work environment. And until that story blew up, you would just have to be an actor who's, like, I'm grateful to get a paycheck, you know? I, I can't, like, question where my money's coming from. You've struggled for years and years. You spend, like, 10-plus years just, like, begging anyone to pay you, and you mostly do, like, college humor shorts that pay you, like, a can of soda. And then you end up in a job like that, and you're, like, am I supposed to, like, quit this, you know? I think those things are really messy, and then it becomes a thousand times more stressful to think about when you're putting the Oscar campaign season into it, and these people are having to answer five thousand questions a minute.
1: Exactly, all the time, everywhere they go, a million events. You shaking have to hands.
2: campaign. Yeah. You know? It is like a political race. Right. And it's that question of, like, is it better to be honest and maybe torpedo the Oscar win or get the Oscar win? And then the second after you have it, you're living with the consequences of what you sort of were ignoring the whole time. Yeah. I, I'm not making any clear judgments. All I'm saying is I stay up late at night and have panic attacks thinking about what I would do in these situations.
1: All I'm saying is I wish I had, like, a hidden camera inside whatever the party was with Mahershala Ali mm-hmm. and Green Book. And him, whatever their conversations have been for the yeah. last, like— Three months, especially after Marcelli was like, I apologize that I didn't know about the Don Shirley family thing. Like when he publicly apologized for that and everybody thought the movie's chances were torpedoed. Then he has to, like—then Then he won the Golden Globe, and then the momentum started We really were happening. talking like
2: about wild. this before you came in that—I uh, I last night stayed up reading uh, Green Book uh, Think Pieces, you know, just raging out of control post-Oscars.
1: Justin Jenks from the LA Times was so good.
2: That was a really good one, and I was reading the one that kind of hit me so hard was Mark Harris's one that he published the, like, Monday after Green Book's first weekend in release. And it was like an autopsy report because Green Book did so poorly at the box office. It was its second weekend. It's first weekend limited, it did really poorly. And then they immediately went wide and it did even more poorly.
1: Whoa, I don't think I realized that. I remember repeating yeah. it on the radio the week it came out here in LA and not even giving it special attention, being like,
2: yeah. oh, and this film happened. Because it was one of those crazy things is like this is a pretty like mainstream populist kind of Tony film, mm. right? It wins the audience award at Toronto, which everyone was like, that's unexpected. Then it bombed in wide release. And it certainly wasn't going to become a critic's favorite. So at that point in time, everyone's like, I guess Green Book's done. And Mark Harris wrote this piece that was like, is Green Book a movie that there just isn't an audience for anymore? Like, who is this movie made for? The audience that thinks it's chasing, I guess maybe they've been phased out of existence. And then that audience, like, very slowly, like, came and built around that movie. But I feel like you're at, like, at that point, oh, the movie's bombing. Mahershala is being asked about, like, you know, the sort of erasure of this guy's family. And he's like, yeah, I mean, what am I losing by saying, like, I apologize, the movie was kind of a mistake. You know, and then suddenly he starts winning every single award under the sun. Like yeah. the only major precursor he lost was the one he wasn't nominated for, The Spirits.
1: I mean, what is so weird, and we'll talk about The Spirits in a second, yeah. is like as an L.A. film critic voter for like mm-hmm. the L.A. Film Critic Awards and also a Nationals voter where you vote in like, the National Film Critic Awards, a lot of the winners here and a oh. lot of the nominees like literally never came up in any of the critics' awards. Yeah. There was never even a debate about giving an award to Ali. It wasn't mentioned. Sure. Never got brought up at right. all. Um, also with... Uh, nobody mentioned the wife in any of my awards. Did not come up. Did not come up. I mean, this is Rami kind of my Malek point about... Didn't come yeah. Up. Like, yeah. none of these right. names came up except for Olivia Coleman. That is yes. the only one that won any sort of critic award. Yeah. Where I come from, which is kind of awesome, terrible, to see in awards that, like, was surprising. Yeah. But that said, we should talk about the spirits because I think the spirits did a lot of things right. Yeah. You know, wait, before we do, I just want to embarrass myself really, really fast and say... uh. On our Oscar ballots, I have Paul's here and mine. Paul beat me. Uh, soundly, It's actually. a very
2: impressive showing.
1: Yeah, Paul got 18 right. Paul, yeah. I, he abstained from one. He abstained from short film live action. Otherwise, he kind of nailed it all the way across the board, even to getting... Original screenplay for Green Book, which I just thought that's like bold as hell. And I am or uh, <sighs> yeah. uh, not original. Yeah. Whatever. Adapted. Whatever. No, original. No, it yes. was original. It was yeah. original.
2: That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's. I mean, the movie is, of course, based on a true friendship, but they didn't count that as an adaptation.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Paul kicked ass. All hail Paul. Paul rules. Agreed. Hey, pop quiz hotshot. If you have wanted to see any of the movies we've talked about so far in this episode and I said, hey, go get it on right now. How many remotes would it take you to turn on your TV, find that movie, put it on, hit play? You know what? Do you want to do it with only one remote? You can do that with the remote from CAVO. C-A-A-V-O. The control center by CAVO is one remote that does everything. We're talking, it works with your streamer, it works with your sound system, it does your cable, it does your satellite, it does your game console. It does everything with one handy little thing. Hold it in your hand. That's all you need. Throw away everything else. Who cares? You can just take your CAVO, talk to it, say, hey CAVO, I really should see the favorite. Like, they keep talking about the favorite. I really should see the favorite. Tell the cavo you want to see the favorite, and the Kavo will take you right there. You can even say a TV show name. You can say an actor. You can even say a specific episode, maybe a Simpsons episode, and Kavo will pull up all of your options, even on YouTube. So sit back, relax, watch some stuff with your Kavo. And you know what? If you want your Kavo, get one right now. If you go to Kavo, that's dot ocom you can get 40% off your control center with the promo code UNSPOOLED. You know how to spell unspooled, right? I don't have to do that. 40% off. That means your CAVO goes from $99.95 to $59.95. $59.95 to make your whole life so much easier. Every day you pick up that CAVO, that's worth a quarter. In a year, oh, you'll be so happy you did it. So go to Control Center by CAVO, dot ocom Use the promo code unspooled. Get it for cheap. Or if you want, go to Best Buy. Be a social person. Control Center by CAVO. One remote that does it all. Okay, I want to talk about something that's a little bit near and dear to my heart, and that is my love of taking pictures on my phone, which sometimes feels like a thing I just do for me for the moment, or sometimes it feels like a photo that I want to take because I want to save that memory forever. I don't ever forget that this happy thing happened, that I was here with this person, that I saw this beautiful rainbow. Ah, rainbows. You know, everybody loves a rainbow. Here's what you can do if you love to take pictures on your phone and you want a way of making them even more special. It is called Fracture. Fracture is the place you go to if you want all of your photos etched as art, glass, glass prints of the photos that you took on your phone made into actual things you can hang on your wall. You can appreciate that you can love that you can look at every day and say, I do remember that rainbow. I do remember that wonderful cheeseburger. I do remember that afternoon with my best friend and I want this forever in the permanent world, not just online, not just on your phone, not just like imaginary pixels. Fracture is beautiful. The way that they make a Fracture is they print your photo directly on glass, and they come ready to display just right away, even with the wall hanger. As soon as you get your Fracture, there you go. They're awesome for you. They're awesome for gifts. If you sp- if you shared that moment with somebody else and you want them to remember it forever, beautiful. They're just a must for like sprucing up your space. You look at your wall, you're like, I would love a photo of that. You can just go take the photo, and then you can go get The Fracture print. They are handmade in America, Gainesville, Florida, from materials sourced right here in the U.S. They're also, and I love this about them, Fracture is a green company. That means they are a carbon-neutral factory. That means you can order your print and not feel like you're even hurting the environment in the littlest. Your rainbow that you took, you're saving that rainbow by making this Fracture. I will admit, a lot of the Fracture prints I ordered... They are of my cat. I have a really, really beautiful cat. He's a mancoon. He's a lion cut. I love him. I also did get some fractures from my friends. They are like the best gift. They are so wonderful because especially my best friend and I, we do a lot of traveling. We've been to a lot of weird places. We've done a lot of weird things. She can never escape that weirdness. It will haunt her forever. It will be beautiful. I love it. My office is much happier now. So if you want to fracture yourself, go to FractureMe, fracture me, as in I'm fracturing me, myself, .com, slash unspooled for a special discount on your first fracture order. Don't forget to put unspooled in the one-question survey after checkout. That's how you get the deal. But you want to go to FractureMe.com, slash unspooled. Make your house more beautiful. Make your memories more permanent. Maybe this year the Oscars should have just been the Spirit Awards because they were awesome.
2: They were, like, kind of immaculate. I mean, the only thing I would have swapped was Glenn Close. But I was more angry about Glenn Close winning when I thought she was also going to win the Oscar. Also
1: if that true, makes yeah. any sense. I was yeah. like, it would be
2: nice for them to give it to someone else because the Glenn Close Oscar wins inevitable.
1: Right, for her not to have the full sweep. Right. Yeah, but at least she got that. Yeah. I mean, so uh the Spirit Awards... Screenplay, I loved this one a lot. Mm-hmm. The original screenplay winner was the favorite, the runner-up of Sorry to Bother You, the film that I've been yelling about.
2: Yeah, that was my favorite screenplay all year. year. Yeah, All
1: year. I love that um, for the Spirit Awards, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the runner-up for adapted screenplay. Like, that doesn't even get talked about That's in crazy. Like, the Oscar yeah. screenplay. Yeah. Nobody even acknowledged that an animated film has an awesome screenplay. Yeah,
2: yeah. And and also, a very difficult screenplay to pull off.
1: Shallow, of course, won Original Song. Those are the,
2: those are the spoolies.
1: Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. These are the spoolies. I thought they were... <laughs> oh, my God. i sorry. I was just grabbing random things. I was doing ah. the
2: math. I was like, how did they file Spider-Verse as yeah, independent?
1: That's right. I was thinking about was that, like, too, as they... I was saying. And I was like, but I think these are the Spirit Awards. What kind of creative what, accounting did they do to pretend wow. that movie didn't
2: cost $100 million? So are those your own award show from this yes, podcast? They are. I'm so sorry. They weren't labeled. Oh, my God. Sorry. I do love you naming, though, how good the picks were for your own award they show. They were great. You're Can going I like, so- whoever it? voted for these. It's so smart.
1: Wow, the Spoolies, y'all are fantastic. <laughs> the, these are the awards I would really want. So, the, the Spoolies are better than everybody. Yeah.
2: Is I will say, we, d- we did the Blankies on our show, Blank Check, and I gave "Start to Bother You screenplay. I think we also nominated uh, Spider-Verse. The Spoolies and the Blankies maybe should merge. <gasps> wow. We could become a bigger voting body than the Golden Globes, I think. <laughs>
1: Well, let me go through some of the spoolie winners really fast. Okay,
2: sure. And now yeah. that I will call them yeah. the spoolies, yes. because, wow, hello. Um, so this is from the listeners of the show vote. This voting. is from the cool. listeners. They did
1: this on their own. And, yeah. in fact, there are a few people that I want to thank. Hold on for a second. Um, who put the spoolies together as I'm getting these ready, because what we did is we had, like, well, we didn't do nothing. We did nothing. This, <laughs> our listeners are the absolute best, and I adore them. And they put this competition together on their own. They had um, a lot of the listeners on our Facebook group voted, and I am. Pulling up something huh? live is fun. Um, Who I want to thank in particular, besides, of course, Kate Littleton, who runs our Facebook page and is the absolute, absolute, absolute greatest. We have a listener who I have really, really, really appreciated being a listener for so long and a movie nerd. Holden Martinson, he helped uh, put all of this together. He did a fantastic job. He's always there in the Facebook boards just being awesome and brilliant and keeping the conversation going. And also Michael Linsman. Thank you to Michael Lindzman, thank you to all of you guys who voted, and thank you for voting the favorite as your winner for this original screenplay and sorry to bother you as the runner-up. That is beautiful. Hi, that was a long
2: monologue. Hello. I, I don't know if you have this thing, but like my greatest sense of pride is like the online community around my podcast. Cause I feel like if you make a movie podcast, you end up being able to as a byproduct create the kind of online community you wish you had when you were a teenager. Yeah. Like, when I see them discussing things that we don't discuss on the podcast, but they're like, I just saw this movie. I need to talk about it with someone. And it's like, here's, like, a teenager in Puerto Rico talking to, like, you know, like, a father in, like, Missouri. And they both, through this podcast, have found a community to be able to discuss it with each other.
1: It's so beautiful. It's really beautiful. When I first started out as a critic... It never occurred to me we'd have something like yeah. this. You right. know, cuz like I started in the very last days of just print only, yeah. really. And web, print and web only. But when people were still like writing letters. Yeah. And sometimes nothing like this, Limited like, like this.
2: message boards, but it was yeah. like you didn't have film Twitter, you didn't have these you sort like of Reddit you were communities and yeah.
1: Alone. Yeah. It was a little bit monkish. And like when you're a critic, all you want to do is like tell people what you love and like yeah. hate and you see what they thought and oh my god and kick it around and it's now a conversation.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. The conversation's the fun part is like you know, that that feeling of, like, after seeing a movie where you have to go to, like, the diner at, like, 11 o'clock with your friends and be like, can we break this down?
1: Exactly.
2: Like, I think there's this misunderstanding that, uh, and I'm not a film critic, but I'm someone who's found myself pretending to be a film critic in a lot of different situations. But that, that the idea is that, like, film critics are trying to be, like, my, my opinion is correct. Everyone bow down to my opinion. And I feel like all good film critics like the discourse. Like, they yeah. like the conversation. They like the argument. They like being able to, like, fight about a movie. It's not contentious, it's, like, fun to be able to hash it out.
1: Absolutely. You you and I are friends with some of the most contentious critics we know. Very contentious people. And they're lovely people.
2: Yeah, they're sweethearts. (laughs) Shout out to David
1: Ehrlich. How did you know I was thinking of David
2: Ehrlich? Oh, I wonder who you were talking about. (laughs) No, we were talking right before this about how David Ehrlich is like the sweetest guy in the world and has this reputation from people who read his reviews as like, oh, he must just be like yelling at everyone on the street. But the reason why he gets so spirited about films is because he loves them so much.
1: He's a huge, huge lover of film, especially yeah. Paddington. You he had a lovely Paddington movies. theory about yeah. him. <laughs> but so let's read some of these winners. There's so many. Okay, where do I want to start? You know what? Where, well, let's see. Pick a category. What do you want to know about the Spoolies?
2: Uh, I guess we should build up to Best Picture. So you gave the both screenplays or just adapted
1: uh, Adapted went to Black Clansman, yeah. Okay. And, uh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Um, the Espolis gave an award for youth performer to Elsie Fisher from 8th Grade. Who good wore call. the amazing Gucci suit.
2: Really good suit. I've always wanted, yeah.
1: like, the Gucci suit from the 90s that Madonna used to wear to, like, it was, like, a red one with, like, a red yes. velvet trim. And, like, Elsie was kind of rocking, like, a similar, oh,
2: it's beautiful. She's had a good season of looks. All of her red carpet looks have been really, really strong.
1: Yeah, she really—it's yeah. really been the year of the lady suit. Yes, and she's been bringing it for Yes,
2: way overdue for me.
1: Yeah, I need yeah. a lady suit. I don't—I don't know how to get one. They seem amazing. Um, they gave the police also had a special award for voiceover performance, which I think is great, which they gave to Ben Wishaw, Paddington Two. Great call. With a runner-up for Jake Johnson, Spider-Man: Into the Spider Verse. Another great call. Also fantastic. Um, they gave sound editing the winner to A Quiet Place. Uh huh. Uh huh. Ironically, is, I, <laughs> I will say. My best friend went on an internet date many, uh, many, 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 many years ago uh, with a person who ghosted her, who was an Oscar-nominated sound mixer. He gets nominated every so often. Okay. And this is her lovely running joke, is screaming at the TV and always hoping he doesn't win. <laughs> I will not name any names and say if he has one or not, but it gives me nothing but joy because that's what living in Los Angeles is. Yes,
2: sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> makeup and hairline- hair hairstyling, the winner went to The Favorite with Vice as runner-up. Good call. Good call. The yeah. Badger Makeup. Uh, visual effects went to Avengers Infinity War, and they gave an award for stunt coordination, which, can you guess who this is? Fallout. Was? Very smart. Yeah. You're a wise man. Yeah. You're a wise man. Vision Possible Fallout. Um, For film editing, they made the winner Black Klansman, which I absolutely disagree with, but I will be fine really? with it. I am at peace.
2: Yes. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but look, it is a strongly edited movie. Like, even <laughs> if you don't agree with the methodology or the execution of it— There is a more interesting approach to editing in that movie than, say, Bohemian Rhapsody. For example.
1: (laughs) I'm saying the moment that people make fun of in Bohemian Rhapsody where people are like, hi, what are we happening? We're talking around a table. I feel like that's sort of the scene of the start of half of all of the scenes in Black Klansman 2. People sort of walk into a room and it's like, oh, you're in a room. I'm in a room. Here's a camera in the corner of the room. Here's a camera in your face. Sure. What's happening? Sure. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) I will say... um, There was a director at our our Oscar party last night, and he said that he thinks the reason that Bohemian Rhapsody won for Best Editing is that all the editors secretly knew that the the editor had to kind of make the film on his own because there was no director.
2: I I think that's a fair rationale. Mm. I I think there was something of um, like a a sympathy-empathy vote there Mm -hmm. of just like, well, that's the toughest job any editor had this year. Right. Even if— Right. He had to direct—edit together footage from two different directors— Neither of whom, it sounds like, were uh, overseeing the edit. Exactly. He had to make all the final decisions. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a, l- a logic there. I get I, it. I would not make that vote.
1: Me neither. Me yeah. neither. But I do understand. And pro- maybe, you know, it's a small world. Maybe they know him. Yeah. We get beers with him. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. And- I don't know. Uh, everybody should get beers with everybody. That is how I feel. Uh, let's go to non-English feature. Okay. The winner was the same. It was Roma. The runner-up was Cold War. Mm-hmm. Black and white's back, baby. Black
2: and white, hardcore back, yeah.
1: Documentary feature, the winner was Won't You Be My Neighbor, not even nominated.
2: Very weird. Very weird. Talk about something that just was like such an out-and-out crowd pleaser. It's an odd omission, yeah.
1: And the runner-up was Minding the Gap.
2: That's my favorite.
1: Me too. I Mm -hmm. loved that. He brought his mom to the Oscars.
2: I wish he had one.
1: I wish he had one too, honestly. Would have been nice. I
2: like Free Solo a lot. I think it's an excellent film, but uh, Bing Lo rules.
1: Yeah, Friso is smart when they bring the girlfriend in. Yes. I thought as soon as, like, they made it a story about her being like, I love this dude who's going to get himself killed someday.
2: She is the lead character of that film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt really good when during their speech they kind of acknowledged that.
1: I was so happy she was they on stage. They put
2: so much attention. A, I was like, good move bringing her on stage. And B, that they were like, this is the person who climbed the mountain.
1: Right, because otherwise you get a movie sort of like their last movie together. Did you see that one? I forget no. what it's called. It's about Jimmy himself, the co director, climbing sure. a mountain. I forgot what sure. it was. But this is like, I'm climbing. It's cold. It's wall I'm in a tent. Climbing I'm climbing. Yeah. I'm yeah. in a tent. It's cold. Yeah. Right. And that's how he met his wife, who now they're like, they work together. She was a documentary filmmaker. He's a climber. Gotcha. Now okay. they made this together.
2: Sure. Yeah. Which makes sense, actually, if there are a couple who are brought together by it, they would understand that the real story is being in a relationship with someone who does that.
1: Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah. Too smart.
2: Right. That's what I, I mean, when people tell me they don't want to see Free Solo because they're like, I don't want to watch a climbing documentary. Is that going to give me, like, you know, anxiety? I'm like, it's a movie about how difficult it is to date someone who almost kills themselves every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that is that that uh, now I'm talking to myself into being okay that it was okay.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah I'm totally cool with that winning. I just love 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 minding the guy. It's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Um, for supporting actor, I, I realize I'm doing these in the wrong order. I should start with runner-up and then go to bet the winner, right? Yeah, maybe. The runner-up for supporting <laughs> actor that was Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Cool. I would have been happy with that. And the winner was a tie between uh, Adam Driver for Black Klansman and Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther.
2: Great great picks. Yeah, all around. I yeah. can take that. If yeah. they were
1: in a fight, though, who do you think would win?
2: Uh, Michael B. Jordan. You can't that guy's cut. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver's tall. Adam Driver's <laughs> tall, but he feels a little lanky to me.
1: Lanky I- is good. You can like, like Elastic Man.
2: I am by no means implying that Adam Driver could not beat me into a bloody pulp. <laughs> but Michael B. Jordan is just one of those guys where I'm like zero body fat. Like he looks like the Terminator now.
1: Maybe that means he doesn't have any cushion if you hit him. Maybe. I mean, are, are your organs closer to the surface? I don't know. If I mean, the true.
2: clear answer is Richard E. Grant would lose, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's a scrapper. I mean, he will have knives. If you can, like, <laughs> have a knife, Richard E. Grant's going to take Richard it. Richard E. Grant doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> all right, supporting actress. Runner-up was Rachel Weisz for The Favorite. Cool. And the winner, Regina King, If Bill Beale, stre- Beale, Beale, if Beale, if Beale Street Could Talk. And I can't argue with that win at all.
2: I can't either. I mean, that's a rare example of, like, uh, I love that movie. I think that's a great performance, but also that's someone who has been overlooked for like 25 years. Like, I just feel like Regina King was always one of my big, like, stump speech. Like, we take her for granted. She's so solid. She's so reliable. And there's that crazy thing where like so many times the person who played her husband in the movie would win and you'd be like, they did good work, but they were kind of getting boosted by how good yeah, she is. you're
1: saying something that rhymes with Schmuba Schmunier for yes. <laughs> a movie called Schmerriam I which, like, that she's was such the, a wrong
2: call. She's the key to that movie. She's
1: the key to she's that the movie. She's the key to that
2: movie. Uh, I, I drunkenly, I usually try to refrain from doing this. I drunkenly saw her at, like, an after party after a screening uh-huh. a couple months ago, and I just, like, went up, like, too many drinks in, where I'm sure she saw me walking towards them, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> And I just was like, I'm not trying to start a whole conversation, but I just walked up to her very succinctly and I said, hey, I just want you to know you should have won the Oscar for Jeremy Maguire. And she like gave me a smile and she went, didn't make the project any less special. But I kind of got the subtext. I was like, that's a very kind thing to say. But also in your eyes, you're kind of telling me like, yeah, I know I should have won for Jeremy Maguire. That is beautiful. I thought it was a wonderful answer.
1: I want to just memorize it. I don't know if I'll ever have a situation where I need to use an answer like that. But didn't that make it
2: any less special. Well done, but she yeah. should have won the Oscar for Jerry Maguire, works as a makeup Oscar, also works as an Oscar for that specific performance, Bill exactly. Street, she rules in.
1: So for director, the runner-up was Spike Lee, and the winner was Alfonso Cuaron. Cool. Sounds good. Now, actor, I love this. Well, sorry. The runner-up was Christian Bale. Weiss. Okay. So it goes. All right. Uh-huh. The winner, somebody who wasn't nominated and should have won, Ethan Hawke for first performed. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, it kind of is still stunning that he didn't get nominated. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: I, that is, Ethan Hawke has been one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. for a very long time. I mean, when I was a kid, it was just because he was cute. Mm-hmm. When I became, you know, a mature, sensible woman, it's because I think that Ethan Hawke is one of the unsung heroes in really figuring out where film is going. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan Hawke does – he does his blockbusters here and there. He fights a vampire But or he was, like, like the first
2: sort of big guy to do a Blumhouse movie. He
1: was one of the first big guys to do a Blumhouse movie because, like, he and Jason Blum were, like, old-school friends. They were yeah. theater buddies. They've known each other forever. They're basically BFFs. But he knew. He was one of the first people to be like, I'll do this movie. Mm-hmm. I won't make a big salary on it. It will be a big hit, and it will be great for me. It will be great for them. It will be great for everybody.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's the crazy stat that, like, I, I think uh, The Purge is the most money that Ethan Hawke has ever made on a movie. And he worked for scale.
1: Exactly. He like slept on couches. That was the
2: thing. Like, right. He's worked for scale. He made like, you know, $5,000 shooting that film, but he got a percentage of the box office gross and he ended up making more than he's ever been paid outright for any movie.
1: Exactly. He is smarter than ever. I think he is the smartest guy working right now. And also because he can do performances like this.
2: There's a very tricky thing. uh, I feel like in the film industry, especially if someone gets to that level where they've been like uh, deemed a movie star. And people are paying attention to your track record where people don't want to take risks like that. Like they go like, even if the upshot is if this movie does well, I'll make a lot of money. I don't want to take the ding to my vanity of only being paid $5,000 this month. And he seems to be one of those guys who like, A, doesn't stick up his nose at genre films. And B, doesn't think that he's too big to do little Paul Schrader movies.
1: Exactly. He's in it for the pleasure of working. Yeah. Yeah. And to that I say well, well done. He
2: rules. Yeah, and he's also <laughs> one of those guys who's just getting better and better.
1: Yeah. yeah. And kind of in a similar scale, uh the runner up for actress at The Spoolies was Toni Collette Hereditary, another person doing the similar thing. This my, is where we're pick going. My would have right been now. my pick for the year. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, uh, I, I think that's the best performance of the year for me in 2018. She was my number one. Uh g- give me more movies about Toni Collette uh trying to uh run a family while dealing with ghosts. Because both times she stepped up to the plate on that, she's knocked it out of the park.
1: I mean, here's the thing.
2: Tony Collette ghost family dinner movies.
1: There's like a whole genre of yeah, them. Yeah, keep making them. All right, keep making them. Yeah. Is she going to do them like in the key of being like Eddie Murphy where she plays all the roles?
2: I'd see it. I'd see it. Maybe that's her Oscar is she has to play herself and her troubled son.
1: Yeah. I mean, she has done never a bad movie. Okay, think about it. Like ever, there's a movie if people love Tony Collette, you love Hereditary, which clearly you do since she mm-hmm. is our runner up for best actress. She did this movie whose name I'm not going to remember right now, but it's like her and Drew Barrymore from a few years
2: ago. Oh, it's the uh Do you
1: remember this? Yes. It it's like what did Catherine we did, what did we do. Yeah, blah, it's blah, got blah, kind blah, blah. a kind of generic title. Very generic title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She plays this like kind of mover and shaker woman who mm-hmm. gets diagnosed with cancer. Maybe that doesn't sound appealing to any of you out there. It is unbelievable. It should have won the Oscar that year. Yeah. Nobody saw it. It's, like, phenomenal. I just want to give a shout out to whatever whatever uh, your name is. Miss You Already. Miss You Already. Mm -hmm. Generic title. Yeah. Generic title. Fantastic Tony Clip. Yeah, she's
2: great in everything. She should have won Best Supporting Actress for uh, XXX Return of Xander Cage. Um, (laughs) The only person who has convincingly played high status against Vin Diesel in the history of film. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, Best Actress, of course, Olivia Colman. I'm very happy with that. Very cool. Also, I just noticed there's, like, another award in here, Ensemble Cast... They gave the runner-up to Black Panther, the winner to the favorite. I would also be very, Mm -hmm. very at peace with that. And the grand prize, the motion picture winner of the Unspoolies, runner-up, the favorite. Mm -hmm. I love it. And the grand winner, Roma, which is how we probably thought last night was going to go.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was that whole kind of thing of like, if I'm being fatalistic, I think Green Book is going to win. And my question I'm asking myself is, is my fatalistic side my realistic side? Because then the Roma thing, you go, like, it feels like that's the movie that has the momentum behind it in terms of the Oscars, but the anti-Netflix contingent is such a strong thing that you can't count out.
1: Yeah. And can I just say something really petty? hmm I don't like Roma's font. Were you ever bothered by the font on Roma? I just feel like it's too tall and too yeah. pointy. I'll
2: okay. say this. I don't know if I was particularly bothered by it, but I certainly was never won over by it. Fair enough. And I feel like we had some really good fonts this year.
1: Yeah. Like Black
2: Panther, Black Klansman. Can you ever forgive me? Uh, the favorite, Good with the spacing. I mean, these are some of the best font movies in recent memory. I'm All trying right. to think. Green Book's font is, is take it or I can't even. I can't even. I close my eyes. I can't even picture Green Book's font. And how many times have I seen that poster?
1: Uh, my challenge to you for the unspoolies next year: best font. Best font. I'd like to see this category.
2: Best font. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, we should wrap up. But what was your favorite moment of last night? What was my favorite moment? That's a good question. I'll say this. uh, You know, until we got to the end of the ceremony, uh, this did feel like the most diverse group of winners uh, that I have ever seen. More women winning in craft categories. More people of color winning. Uh, it's even something like Rami Malek where it's like that's not a performance I ever would have voted for, but it is cool to have an Egyptian person win best actor. You realize uh, – not to overuse the gross rates, the optics of the situation. I feel like much like uh, at, at its best, uh, the most powerful thing that the president of the United States can do is like exist and represent something. And at their worst, they're also just representing something. I feel the same way about the Oscars. Like maybe they don't usually line up with what is the best of film for that year, but they are a platform to be able to represent kind of where we are as a culture for good or for ill. Um, So seeing like Ruth Carter finally win, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but uh, the production designer on Black Panther. Oh, yeah. These speeches from people who clearly uh, dreamed of – Having an Oscar someday, and were uh, culturally led to believe that it would never actually be achievable. And Rami Malek's speech—I mean, he did have that sort of touching moment where he where he said that. You know, um, you know, I it's I'm being very nonspecific in what my favorite moment is, but that sort of aura anytime that energy came to the forefront of the show I did have this sort of sentimental like this is kind of why the Oscars are important yeah like this is the best of what it can be and then Green Book won, and everything changed
1: I mean I always that went think out the
2: window about immediately this metaphor
1: of like planting seeds you know yes Oscar so was a few years ago mm-hmm. planted a seed of like we need to pay attention to this yeah and we they messed it up that year that you know they messed it up it's like when you mess it up it just gives it more attention yeah this year felt like such a moment where we're seeing some little shoots you know, mm-hmm. and you're right, like the kids at home watching that being like, she won an Oscar. I can win an Oscar. Those are all going to keep coming to fruition. I really feel like in this Oscars, you see the future.
2: I, I think so, too. I mean, there's a key thing, I think, for Black Panther. Like, there's always been the sort of like lazy, hand-waving excuse of like, well, if they did the best work, they would have been nominated. Whenever there was the Oscar so white complaint, it was like, but find me one person who should have been nominated and wasn't a white man. And the, the problem, the sort of like whataboutism in that argument is that – The core issue so often is that uh, those people aren't even getting the chance to work on those movies in the first place. They're not getting the high-level jobs. And you look at what a shift it makes when Ryan Coogler gets hired to make Black Panther – And he hires people who don't usually get to make $200 million movies, and they get to work on a larger canvas than they usually do. Wow, it turns out that maybe they did the best work of the year.
1: Exactly, when you bump up like Rachel Morrison from like indies to hello, you have money now, you have a crane Mm -hmm. whenever you want one. Right. Just like the one day that you get to crane and oh my god.
2: Right, and you know, sometimes in the craft categories they give it to the scrappy thing that overcomes the odds but usually it's the bigger movies that win those things. It's the things where they have a bigger toolbox and they have a bigger wallet to deal with. And the biggest shift that happens is if you let those people work those jobs, it turns out maybe they're even better at it than the old white men we've been letting do it for decades.
1: Exactly. And you know, what, you know who is preparing for that future? Who? A guy named Nick Velalongo. Oh, because God. as we as we say goodbye.
2: They planted a seed in Nick Velalongo last they night. Did.
1: They did. Griffin, like, as we say goodbye, and it's mm-hmm. been so lovely having you here. It's so wonderful Griffin to be. Of here. Blank Chick, Griffin of the Griffin of the Tech of the Tick. Griffin, who is here from New York, and I'd love yeah, to see you. In
2: town, I want to be on the show, and then you guys weren't recording this week. But but thankfully, well, I found are, an opportunity. Yeah. Did you,
1: like, screw up Paul's whole shooting schedule today, which is why he's not here? Did you do that?
2: <laughs> I will take the fifth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that said, Nick Vallelongo, not only did he do his Christmas album, he did that song again in Spanish. He's prepared. Let's hear it as we go out. Oh,
2: and oh this boy. one's even longer. Five minutes, 42 seconds. <laughs> you need that extra space. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Unspooled Special Oscar
2: Broadcast. Help them artwork too Talk about good font St. Patrick's Cathedral
0: Caballos y caretas parque central Hay tanto que hacer Rockefeller Center Como patinando El árbol de Navidad Da luz en la noche La gente en apuros con la quinta avenida Todos de compás Regalos para todos New York City Christmas. <laughs> New York City Christmas, Radio City, God. music hall. Oh. El gran espectáculo. Ago sari, go <sighs> Comidas navideñas. Oh, Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. It's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar. Extraordinary dairy.